Friday, 24th of February, marks one year since the Russian army invaded Ukraine. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian civilians and soldiers have died along with hundreds of thousands of Russian soldiers who were used as cannon fodder. Millions of civilians are refugees abroad or are internally displaced. Innumerable war crimes have been committed by Russian troops. The death and destruction wrought on Ukraine is within the United Nations definition of genocide. The invasion was totally unjustified. Russia was at no risk of invasion from Ukraine and there was no imminent security threat from NATO. The purpose of the invasion was to make Ukraine a loyal satellite of Moscow and to grab the mineral and agricultural resources of the country. It is an imperious adventure, like the colonial wars carried out by the West in the 19th century. Putin wants to return Ukraine to being a colony as it was under the Tsars. He has justified the war with nationalist arguments, the country had to be denazified and the Ukrainians are not a separate people with their own language and history. The people of Ukraine have refused to be passive victims and are actively and massively resisting the invasion. For them, it is a war of national liberation and independence. It is an entirely legitimate resistance. Internationalists and socialists should support them unconditionally. This support is regardless of the character of the Ukrainian government. The Zelensky government is bourgeois and neoliberal but it is not a far-right nationalist or even neo-fascist regime like the one in Russia. But we should be critical of the Zelensky government, as it has embraced neoliberalism, it is attacking labour rights, and it wants to join the European Union and NATO. We should support the left and the labour movement in Ukraine that is resisting Zelensky's reforms. We should discuss with them a post-war reconstruction based on social, environmental and economic justice and call on our governments to cancel, not just postpone Ukraine's debts, for such a reconstruction to happen. Anyone who is an internationalist and anti-capitalist should be in solidarity with the resistance against invasion and destruction of Ukraine. That means supporting Ukraine to obtain the military equipment necessary to defend itself from wherever possible, including from NATO countries. The supply of arms should be without strings or illusions in NATO and the West. That's because the supply of arms can be used to control the scope and duration of the war and to force Ukraine into an unacceptable peace deal. The future of Ukraine must not be decided above the heads of its people by the Russian and imperialist. The future of Ukraine must not be decided above the heads of its people by Russian and Western imperialism. If Western imperialism is backing Ukraine, it is for its own geopolitical interests. There should be no illusion that NATO or Western imperialism are forces for democracy. They will back countries such as Saudi Arabia, India, Israel and many more that are undemocratic and carry out a war on their weaker neighbours. They will prefer doing business with a brutal dictator that is loyal to their interests rather than with a democratic, independent and non-aligned country. Like most wars, the war in Ukraine has several characters. Its main character is one of national liberation. But there is also, indirectly, a proxy war between Western and Russian imperialism. This is nothing new. Western imperialism has regularly intervened into struggles for national independence and liberation to subvert and limit the goals of the popular struggle. This should not stop us from supporting the people of Ukraine in their resistance. We should do that by providing political and material solidarity, in particular to the left, the feminist and the trade union organisations in Ukraine. More than anybody else, the people of Ukraine desperately want peace to stop the destruction and deaths. Ukraine put forward a 10-point peace plan in December, which included 
the release of all prisoners and deportees, restoring Ukraine's territorial integrity, the withdrawal of Russian troops and the cessation of hostilities. But the response of Sergei Lavrov, Putin's foreign minister, was a threatening ultimatum. He said, Our proposals for the demilitarization and denazification of the territories controlled by the regime, the elimination of threats to Russia's security emanating from there, including our new lands, are well known to the enemy. The point is simple. Fulfill them for your own good. Otherwise, the issue will be decided by the Russian army. Russia's intentions remain clear. That is to carry on the war to annex the country. All wars end with a negotiated settlement. But if there was a ceasefire today, while negotiations were ongoing, it would not be respected by Putin. He would not withdraw his troops back to the positions before the invasion last year. As long as the people of Ukraine want to and are able to fight for the liberation of their country, they should be supported. A call today simply for peace talks without also a call for an immediate withdrawal of Russian troops is tantamount to calling on the Ukrainians to accept the annexation. It removes from Ukrainians any role they should have from the crisis in which they're at the centre. It fails to support their right to determine the future of their country. The situation, of course, is very dangerous for world peace. There is a danger that this war develops into a direct conflict between Western and Russian imperialisms. NATO has used the Russian invasion to give itself a new purpose. After the failure of the 20-year-long war against Islamist terrorism, it now presents itself as a defender of liberal democracy and of smaller nations. NATO has seized the opportunity to accept new members and to push for massive increases in the military budgets of member countries. But NATO is not a force for democracy. It is the military wing of Western imperialism. It acts, or at least threatens to act, when its economic wing, that is the IMF, the World Bank, the European Central Bank, etc., cannot defend its geopolitical interests, or when rival imperialist powers threaten its position as the dominant world power bloc. When internationalists support the Ukrainians' right to resist and obtain arms from NATO country, it is not an endorsement of NATO. There have been many movements of national liberation in the past which have called upon imperialist countries for arms without being condemned by socialists. The Irish nationalists in 1917, the Spanish Republic in 1936, the communist resistance in World War II, to name just a few. The cynicism of Western imperialism in their claim that it is supporting a resistance against an unjust invasion of a small country can be judged by its enthusiasm for a war crimes tribunal. It is undoubtedly evident that Russian troops have committed war crimes and arguably even a genocide. A war crimes tribunal should be set up. But Western imperialism also committed war crimes when NATO invaded Afghanistan in 2001, justifying it as a necessary fight against terrorism and as part of a clash of civilization. It also committed war crimes when Blair and Bush illegally invaded Iraq in 2003 on the spurious grounds that there were weapons, that there were weapons of mass destruction which posed an imminent threat. Yet Blair and Bush have accepted justice. Yet Blair and Bush have escaped justice. A year after the brutal and unprovoked invasion, socialists and internationalists must show their support for Ukraine's legitimate resistance to the Russian invasion. If we are not to be... I'll repeat the paragraph. A year after the brutal and unprovoked invasion, socialists and internationalists must show their support for Ukraine's legitimate resistance to the Russian invasion. 
If we're not seen to be on the side of the people of Ukraine, then the only voices they will hear will be those of the imperialists, not those of socialists and internationalists. We cannot let that happen.